The Mama Take Heart podcast with Rebrina Rettel is brought to you by Life Audio and is a part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith-affirming podcasts, visit lifeaudio.com. Welcome to Mama Take Heart, Understanding Your Gen Z Girl. I am your host, Rebrina Rettel, and I'm here to help you be the gospel-centered, compassionate, and influential voice in your girl's life. Today, we're talking about having conversations with our girls about sex. My guest is Jackie Bruton. She's a highly sought-after youth speaker and teen relationship expert, delivering keynotes before large assemblies of thousands. She can also be found on the front line in classrooms of 30 each school year, teaching students about healthy relationships. Over the past 19 years, Jackie has spoken to close to 200,000 teens across the country and abroad. She has amassed more than 17,000 plus letters from students. These letters, along with her Real Talk classroom discussions, have given her a window into the hearts and minds of teen girls and guys few adults ever get to experience. Jackie's book, Seven Secrets Guys Will Never Tell You, a teen girl's guide on love, sex, and relationships, is just one of many resources, including DVDs and e-courses she offers. She has created these to equip parents to address the topics of love, sex, and relationship with their teens. Thanks for joining us today, Jackie. It's an honor to have you on our show. Thank you so much for inviting me. You know, I always welcome any opportunity to um, equip parents to be the biggest influence in their kids' lives when it comes to sex and relationships. Well, we're glad that you uh, do this work and we're just going to dive right in. So I did want to ask you, uh, when should we start talking to our daughters about sex? the misnomer or is that it it that the conversation needs to be a sex talk and i think you need to talk about sex but i think the bigger conversation needs to be about healthy relationships Mm -hmm. and if you make it about healthy relationships by the time you get around to discussing the specific topic of sex like it's not this awkward moment that so many teenagers in my classes tell me it is they're like you know when i ask the question how many of you have had the sex talk with your parents very rarely will more than 50% of the kids in the audience uh, raise their hand. And Mm. when I say, what was it like? They typically say it was awkward. But I think if you start, even when they're younger to have age appropriate conversations, like about what is love, what's Mm. healthy, what's not healthy. um, I think then you just seamlessly slide into the conversation about sex when it's time for them to hear it. And it's typically time for them to hear it before you think they need to hear it. Mm, That's the truth. (laughs) Like that's a big mistake that a lot of parents make is, well, my daughter's not dating yet. Or, you know, so I didn't feel like we had to have a conversation because she's not dating. And when she gets to start dating, like her emotions are all involved. And so if you try to have a conversation with her about relationships even, but even about sex, you're fighting now against emotions that she has for the person she's dating. Yes, those endorphins, those feel good um, and happy <laughs> endorphins, they can block common sense. <laughs> right. Absolutely. 
<laughs> so that that gate is closed now. Yeah, my daughter, she tells people that I started talking to her. She remembers her first conversation. She says I started talking about sex at age six. She says from six to 16, I remember you talking to me. <laughs> oh, she said, they were like, wow. to you, mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were like, she said, people say, wow, she really wanted you to get it. And then she said, yeah, she said at 16, it just stopped. I, she said, I, I always tell people, I guess she thought, okay, she got it now. <laughs> I guess you were thinking if she hasn't gotten it in 10 years, what more can I say? <laughs> I thought that was so funny. I said, I didn't realize that, but you are correct. Cause it, it didn't necessarily start off with, okay, we're gonna have the sex talk. It was about love and uh, proper touching and improper touching. It was those types of relationships or, or excuse me, conversations we would have about relationships. And then it was also um, within friendships because sometimes I find girls who go into unhealthy friendships, it can cross over into unhealthy relationships with their, uh, with a boy. And so just healthy relationships in general, I would uh, talk to her about. And then as she got older, fifth grade, maybe is when I really started. Maybe, yeah, maybe it was fifth grade. Cause I think around when I knew she was going to start her menstrual cycle, it started getting a little more in depth, you know? Right. And so um, anyway, yes, I agree that uh, it doesn't necessarily start off with the uh, sex talk. Right. And what you said about um, having discussions, even about friendships, I think that is so key because um, if they can't set healthy boundaries in their friendships, then they probably won't be able to set healthy boundaries in their romantic relationships. And um, the other thing I, I mentioned was having a conversation before you think they need it. It reminded me of a story and you know, I have tons of stories. <laughs> so I had a young lady who found me on Instagram and asked me if I would do a video about how do you move on after you've messed up? And long story short, this young lady got pregnant at 12 years old when she was in the seventh grade, she attended a Christian school and she was in the seventh grade. Her boyfriend was in the ninth grade. And mm. I said, did your mother ever have any conversations with you? She says, my mother didn't know I had a boyfriend because I knew if she knew that I was dating somebody who was in the ninth grade when I was in the seventh grade, she wouldn't approve. Mm. So the mom didn't think she needed to have the conversation mm. because she's not even dating. She's only 12. And here she got pregnant at 12 years old. Mm. Wow. At a Christian school, mind you. Mm -hmm. And so that's the other thing. A lot of parents think, well, my kid would never do that. Or my daughter would never do that because I have her surrounded with people who share our values. Mm -hmm. Whew, I have stories. Yes, I, I would agree with, I. it's about preparation more than anything. It's about preparation. Although that, that story could be scary to some of our friends out there, our listeners. Uh, but I, I always say I like things to prepare you, not to scare you. And right. so the takeaway to me from what you just, your story was that to have open discussion early on, even if you don't think your child is dating, that you still need to have these discussions. There was a, something else I gained from that or gleaned from it is your relationship with your child also determines the trust, I should say the trust in the relationship will determine 
how much they are going to share with you. And even though you may have certain rules, uh, because we had certain guidelines in dating, but we would sit down and talk about the guidelines and talk about the why behind the guidelines. And we would ask her, um, how do you feel about this? And if she said, well, I don't think that's fair, we would say, okay, why? So we were asking her conversation, her input into whatever our guidelines were. If she said it was a fit, like she wanted to go to a dance with a friend of hers brother. And we knew the boy, we knew the family, but we still had to sit down with her. And she couldn't believe we were sitting. She's like, but it's so-and-so. We, you know, we know the family. We're like, he's still a teenage boy. <laughs> you know, we still right. want to have you understand, you know, your, your boundaries and if you feel disrespected and all those things. So yeah, that conversation is key. I also wanted to ask you, okay, so I say nude pics are acting out, but I'm gonna be honest with you. It is normalized in today's culture, nude pics are, which in my opinion, um, I do not think they should be, but in today's culture, it is normalized. So what if my girl is acting out, if she's sending nude pics or she's overly flirtatious and I'm noticing this, could there be something else going on with her? Absolutely. And unfortunately, just like you said, new pictures are far too common. Um, I, one of the things I ask in the classroom when I'm speaking to eighth grade girls, how many of you know a girl who sent a new picture? And almost every hand in the class in the hand goes up. And at first I was like, okay, do y'all all know the same girl or do a lot of girls do it? Because I was like hoping they would say, oh yeah, there's this one girl who you know we all know about. And they're like, oh no, a lot of girls do it. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a quote that I love by Ashley Warner that says, beneath every behavior, there is a feeling. And beneath every feeling is a need. Mm. And when we meet that need, rather than focus on the behavior, we begin to deal with the cause and not the symptom. Mm. And so when you ask the question about if a daughter is acting out and sending new pictures or overly flirtatious or, you know, making other poor, healthy relationship choices, what does that mean? I think those things are symptoms of a much bigger issue. And so if parents and if moms could get to what is the need that my child has, that she believes this behavior will satisfy that need. Mm -hmm. I think that's when we make an inroad into helping our daughters make healthy decisions. Mm -hmm. Yes, I think that a lot of times uh, girls are feel pressured. <clears throat> I did see this um, show, I do watch true crime shows. And there was one in particular, it's on Web of Lies is the name of this show. And it's basically internet crimes. And there was a man who was pressuring girls to send. He started off, you know, befriending them. And then uh, he had pictures of, he was catfishing them. And so catfishing is, you say you're one mm -hmm. person, but you're another. And so he had himself look like a teen boy and, you know, basically compliment them and, you know, uh, chat with them for a few days. Then he started asking for pictures. <clears throat> and then um, 
he, the, the girls would comply and then he would compliment them again. And then he started asking for more and more and more. And then when they'd said no, he threatened them and would say, I'm going to send this to everyone in your contact list if you don't continue. Well, it, you know, it turns out this guy was a serious predator. They finally caught him and he's in prison to this day. Thank goodness. But a lot of times there is a pressure that girls feel like they are pressured to do it and that they have to, even if it's their boyfriend, they'll say, I, it's only for me. Um, but that's not, that's not usually the case because that's bragging rights for the right. guy. And so like, talk to us on how to, how the girl can one, how we can be a safe place that she can come and say, okay, I did this and now I regret it. Or, I'm being pressured to do this and I don't want to, how can we be a safe place that she can come to us and, and have those conversations? Yeah, when they um, when the pressure happens and they feel like they have to do it because they want attention and they don't want the person to leave them, like that is still a need, the need for attention, but that's based out of a fear of rejection. Mm -hmm. And so I think um, the conversation has to happen with moms. Mm -hmm about, um, there's a, another quote, I love quotes. And I actually heard this minister say one day, the biggest fear in life isn't death. The biggest fear in life is rejection. Mm. And he said, most of us are more afraid of being rejected than they are of dying. Mm. And, and when I say that in the classroom, the students all shake their heads. So I think if conversations like those would happen with moms and their daughters about getting to the root cause of why these things are happening. But let me tell you the other thing. And, and um, I think this is really key because one of the things that I ask uh, girls in the class is how will you parent differently when you have kids? And they say, the way I hear my mom talking about other girls who make poor choices that makes me know if I ever make a poor choice, I will never come and talk to her about it because I already know how she feels about girls who do that. And so if you want your daughter to be open to come and talk to you, one of the biggest things you can do is be careful about what you say about other people who do the things that you think are not appropriate. Mm. Because, you know, you know, we never know what our kid's going to do. And so if your daughter were to get pressured into sending a new picture and she has heard you say all these things about, I can't believe those girls are so stupid to do that. Mm. And, you know, just talking really negatively about other, even, even if it was their friends, they told you about a friend and you made some very derogatory comments about how stupid that friend was to do that. And all and versus saying, let's talk about the long-term ramifications of this. And, and why do you think, why do you think girls do that? Yes. Like, what is it you think they're after? Like yes. have more compassionate conversations with them about even their friends' choices is the biggest, um, the biggest guarantee that they'll be open and willing to come to you if they ever made a poor choice in that area, because they know you have compassion and you're not going to hate them and call them, think they're stupid whether you say it or not, but if they heard you say it about other people, their first, you know, response is going to be, she's going to think I'm stupid too. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Cause it's, it is more about a worth to me. It's more of a worth issue. Uh, Definitely. Uh, how they view themselves and um, if they feel worthy. And a lot of times when they're 
acting out in a particular way is because they don't feel worthy and they need that attention or affirmation and so on. Yeah, that was really good. So let's talk about the conversations that you've had with girls and guys and how differently they view sex, i.e. the emotional investment versus the act. Um, I love that question because this is one that baffled me for a while. You know, I've been doing this for 19 years and I got to the point, it wasn't like this from the beginning, but it has gotten like this over time where I got to the point where I felt like it was easier for me to convince a teenage boy to not have sex than it was a teenage girl. Mm. And I couldn't, I couldn't understand like that until like God just like said, this is why. And I, I do this activity in the classroom where I ask girls, I'll say, guys, you just sit back and you listen to what the girls have to say. And I put on the board, girls, what do you think the average teenage girl expects from sex? Mm. And um, I, the list is so long. Love, uh, commitment, validation, respect. Mm. Uh, it'll make them feel pretty. I've even heard, had mm. girls say that. It'll make them feel pretty. Wow. Um, it'll increase their self-esteem. I mean, the list is so long. And half the time the guys are sitting there going, are y'all serious? <laughs> like, <laughs> and so then I say, okay, girls, now guys, what, what do guys expect from sex? What does the average teenage guy expect from sex? And they say, pleasure, we're done. And they're wow. like, it's not that deep. And wow. sometimes I'll get a couple of, of additional responses like respect. But even when guys say respect, the respect that they're looking for comes from their peers mm. versus the respect that the girl does, girl is looking from comes from her, her, you know, the relationship, right. the boyfriend. And um, then sometimes they'll say bragging rights. And so then I'll ask them, I'll say, so do y'all see any difference? What do y'all think about these two lists? What's the difference? And the guys will say, girls expect too much. Wow. And then the girls respond and say, well, maybe y'all respect, expect too little. And mm. then I will respond and I will say, I agree with the guys, <laughs> which, which doesn't make the girls too happy. Right. And they'll say, what? And I'm like, yeah, you know why? I said, because what you put on your list is unrealistic. Mm. I said, it is unrealistic for a teenage girl to expect long-term emotional needs to be met by a short-term physical act. Mm. I said, that's just not realistic. And I said, there's absolutely nothing wrong with wanting anything on this list. There's right. nothing wrong with wanting commitment. There's nothing wrong with wanting validation. There's nothing wrong with wanting respect. There's nothing wrong with, you know, wanting your self-esteem to be higher. I said, it's just crazy to think that you're going to get it from sex. Right. And then I'll say one of the reasons why they say married people have the best sex is this is not a married woman's list. Mm. I said, a married woman is not having sex with her husband in order to get love. She already has it. She's not having uh, sex in order to get a commitment. She already has it. She's not trying to get respect, validation. And I said, so inside a marriage, they can both focus on one thing, which is pleasure. Mm. And um, so then one day I was doing this last summer and a young lady got so upset with me and she stood up and she said, I had about a hundred girls in the audience and she stood up and she said, well, everything on that list, those are natural needs that we all have. It's just natural for people to want validation and acceptance and blah, blah, blah. And she said, so instead of telling us that our expectations are too high, high, 
why don't you get the guys to raise their expectations instead of getting us to lower ours? And I said, because then their expectations would be too high. <laughs> I said, because these expectations would be no more, wouldn't be any better for a guy than they are for you. Mm-hmm. I said, the same thing I just said to you is the same thing I would say to them. Those are unrealistic expectations. And so that's when it dawned on me, this is why I can make a case to a guy quicker than a girl because to a guy, I'm asking him to give up in most cases, one thing, pleasure. Mm -hmm. And if I can appeal to would you want anybody doing the same thing that you're doing with your girlfriend, with your little sister or your future daughter, Mm -hmm. if I can appeal to a guy about being a protector and not a predator, Mm -hmm. if I can appeal, because guys really, really, really do want to rise to a challenge. It's just in our culture they aren't being challenged. Mm. And so it's easier for me because the guy in his mind has given up one thing, which is pleasure because he's not given up this. He doesn't have an expectation of being loved and getting, you know, his self-esteem and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. But to a girl, for me to get her to stop having sex, if she's currently in a relationship, her fear is I'm going to lose my boyfriend. I'm, you know, she, I'm not going to feel pretty. I'm not all the things that she thinks she's going to get, which in reality, she never gets anyway. That's a bigger ask for her Mm -hmm. than it is for the guy. And this is so different than what most people in our society believes happens in teen relationships. Mm. Like they would think, and when I started, when I first started speaking in schools, I only spoke to girls, only eighth grade girls for about four or five years. And then I moved to high schools and they they were co-ed classes. Mm -hmm. And so my biggest fear was, wow, it is so much easier to give this message to an eighth grade girl who may not have started having sex yet Mm -hmm. and to prevent her from becoming sexually active than it is to go into a high school where I have juniors and seniors who may have been sexually active for years and I'm trying to convince them why they should stop having sex. That was my biggest fear going into a high school class because mm-hmm. I'm like, now I got to talk to guys mm-hmm. and no guy is going to want to hear a woman telling them that sex is not the best choice for them. When I tell At you God time. has blown my mind, I, I, when I started getting letters from guys and I started hearing guys talk about how you've taught me what real manhood is like a woman. And I'm like, whoa, God, like you did that thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that, that is very interesting. I think that, um, I think there's things that when you said that long laundry list, uh, because I did teach my daughter to have higher standards. Uh, Her standards are based on what she knows is true about her in Christ. And so she is loved. She is accepted. She is worthy. You know, he died for her. And so um, I think that when they understand that, yes, you can have high standards. However, in your age range, these, these things are not going to be the case. Like what you're asking for this young man to be, it's, it's not going to be the case. He's a teen too. And so, yeah, it's just the, them understanding. One thing I used to teach in my, I used to teach sixth grade uh, Sunday school class, and I would teach them th- from 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, the love mm-hmm. verses. And I would put it in question form. So the verse four where it says, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. I would ask them, when I would tell them, when you are talking about a person, 
ask yourself, is this person patient? Is this person kind? Is this person envious? Does this person boast? Is this person proud? And so I would do that with each of the verses as their litmus test. Right. To who is this person that I think I'm so madly in love with according to the love that's in scripture? And so um, that's just one way that I would have them kind of try to look at things and, and see, okay, well, uh, this isn't fitting. And it's not that everyone's going to be this particular way all the time, but there's just a certain way to look at it as, hmm, is there a person, I don't know if this person, they say they love me, but do they really? Because I always had this thing when I was younger, if you already knew where I stood and you continued to ask, then you really didn't care for me because right. you already know where I stand. So for you to continue to pressure means you're not respecting my boundaries. And so that that's a whole nother conversation, boundaries. <laughs> it's a whole yeah. other thing yeah. that we need and to that's, get And that's into. what I say is if they don't respect your decisions, they don't respect you. Yes. And I'm like, so it's, it's really, really easy to be able to tell. And I do think that whole love conversation, I think is really, really good because teenagers have settled for such a superficial definition of love. Mm -hmm. They settle for chemistry. Yes. Instead of demanding the most important part of love, which is that selfless nature of love. Mm -hmm. And that's a huge wake up call for them in the classroom when I get them to understand that all of this, how do I, how did you know that they, you were in love? And they say, it was just a feeling. Every time I saw their name on my phone, I started smiling, you know, I get these butterflies and I'm like, that's so shallow. It's superficial. It's a part of it, but it's such a small part of it, but it's what you settle for. It's the infatuation part of right. the beginning stages. The, uh, once again, endorphins kicking in. Well, this has been a great conversation. It went too fast. <laughs> it's so good. But, you know, I'd like for our listeners to know, how can uh, they connect with you? If you can give your website or your Instagram on how they connect with you. Uh, my website is just my name, JackieBruton.com. Um, and you can just search that in YouTube um, as well. And I have a YouTube channel. I have a section for parents and a section for teens and college students and educators on my YouTube channel. And my company is Motivation N3D, the number N, the letter three. But if you put my name in, you should be able to get it. And then on Instagram, it's just Jackie B Speaks. Jackie. And then I have an, a, on my website, you'll get it from my website, but I also have an online academy and it's JackieBacademy.com. And that's where a lot of my e-courses reside um, for parents and for teen girls. Okay. And friends, I will make sure that those are in the show notes. Well, I want to thank you, Jackie, for taking the time to equip us with tools and information on how to be forthright in our conversations, yet compassionate when we're talking to our girls about sex. And um we want to say today, friends, that I hope you found today's episode helpful. And I hope this information will help prepare you for this topic of conversation. And remember, it's to prepare you, not to scare you. There is some information that's kind of hard to digest, uh, but it's better to know what you're up against and be equipped with tools. And remember that God is for you and you are not alone. With his spirit, you are filled with courage and strength of purpose. So don't fret, Mama. Instead, take heart. Mama Take Heart is a production of Life Audio and the Salem Web Network. 
If you liked what you just listened to, would you take a second and leave us a rating in your favorite podcast app? It really does help more people like you find our show. This podcast is produced by me, Kelly Givens, and Stephen Sanders, with executive oversight by Stephen McGarvey. You can find more podcasts like this over at lifeaudio.com. Thank you.